Welcome to Movie Moments, discussing the greatest movies of all time, plus all the newest films in theaters and streaming. Like us, rate us, share us. Here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Well, we are back for the new year, the 2024 first edition of Movie Moments. I'm Mike Rags with Chuck Curry going over the greatest movies of all time and some of the new stuff that is out on streaming and in theaters. Lots to talk about today. We're going to look back at 2023 and all the great stars that left us this uh, this past year. Um, we'll tell you our memories of each and every uh, actor or actress who, who passed away. Uh, it's an in-memoriam movie moments and uh i got a chance to see a really good movie maybe the best of 2023 as well we'll talk about that in a second but let's welcome him in right now chuck curry chuck how you doing my friend i'm doing well mike pleasure to be on again and before i get into the movie review and i know we're going to do in memoriam but let's start with the sad news that happened over the last couple of days a great tv star and somewhat movie star passed away and that's David Soul. First thing obviously popped up in my mind is Hutch. I'm sure that was the first thing that popped up in yours. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, those movies rule the roost back on network television back in the day. The procedural cop shows, Beretta, uh, Starsky and Hutch. I, I, I was a fan. You know, I got to be honest, a lot of those memories somewhat faded. It's a long time ago, but I was always a fan. We both text back, back and forth last night talking about his performance in the uh the dirty harry film magnum force which yeah. really uh had an interesting storyline um probably controversial back in its time to a point having young rookie detectives or police officers as vigilantes i mean you could argue that's a a pretty out there storyline but it worked a really strong effect in a very strong entry in the uh, dirty harry canon yeah, and uh, probably wouldn't be made today, that's for sure. No, I don't um, think so. And uh, and it, it really is effective because David Soul, Robert Urich, and Tim Matheson all playing against type. They would go Great on casting. to all yeah, all to be pretty much nice guys on TV, uh, all of them, and in the movies. And uh, let's not forget his Stephen King turn, too, in Salem's Lot. Uh, he was the lead in that film, and he, Stephen King had a nice tweet about him, too. And, and a great cameo for him. And uh, and Starsky and the re reboot of Starsky and Hutch. Not a great movie, but their cameo uh, is actually quite funny. Paul Michael Glazer and David yes. Soul in that film. Um, so, yeah, he will be missed. And we'll go through some of our other memories of people that passed away. Uh, Chuck, let me start with a movie that just popped up on Netflix. It was released uh, uh, in theaters. Um, and, and it's another telling of the Uruguayan team that crashed in the Andes Mountain, the Chilean, the Chilean team that crashed, soccer, rugby team that crashed in the uh, Andes Mountains called Society of Snow. Now, obviously, they made a 1993 film directed by Frank Marshall called Alive, which we both yes. like. But after yes. watching this film and the intensity and the power that it has, it it, it really shows you uh, how lightweight maybe the original, well, the, actually the second film, the 1993 version really is. This movie is really gut-wrenching, uh, told as a, in a perspective that you wouldn't necessarily have in a movie from one of the actors in it. Now, the only drawback for this film, Chuck, um, it's, I mean, if you find it a drawback, it's all subtitled. There are no recognizable actors in this film that you would have, although one guy looks like Jake Gyllenhaal, one guy looks like Adam Driver, one guy looks like uh, Adam Scott. So, but the problem, the drawback is they're all interchangeable and it's hard to keep track sometimes which characters, which, especially since you got to keep up with the, with the uh, dialogue as well. But let me tell you the crash scene, the uh, hiking scene through the mountains, the payoff at the end, this is quite a powerful film, maybe one of the best of the year, Chuck. Um, and it's directed by the same guy who brought us the impossible, um, which was a, one of my favorite films of that year. The very good the, movie. Yeah, Jay Boyana, 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 I think yeah. I believe, I believe yes. his name is. And and who this did, movie, uh, who who did uh, this the uh, the second entry in the Jurassic World series? Correct. That's right. That is correct. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a. I mean, obviously it's on Netflix now. It was released in theaters. It's a foreign film. I will warn you there. But I think it's going to get a lot of nods, Chuck, especially for him as director and maybe even best picture come uh, Oscar time. This is a good one. I'd highly recommend it. I got a question for you. The tone and in, in comparison 
to uh, Frank Marshall's Alive because I'm I'm reflecting on Frank Marshall's Alive, a film that I like. But I remember the tone in that movie. Uh, while at points it was dour, uh, at points uh, it was almost played out and scored like an adventure film. So yeah. the, the 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 you know what they were going for uh, was a little bit. Um, unusual at times so the tone in this film completely dour yeah it's gritty um the cannibal cannibalism scenes are much more graphic obviously than they were yeah, I mean, in, yeah. in the original film and you know ethan hawk is the star and alive they kind you know they 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 really hollywooded it up a little bit too much and of course you know, no, I, they after, did. There's no doubt yeah after watching the film i went back because I, I remember the payoff on alive is really good at the end and i went back to watch it just the the ending and it's a really stark difference of um, mm. how it's paid off. And this one's so much better, so much deeper. Uh, a lot, you know, characters we can't really understand, but and they're all interchangeable. But um, it's a lot more in depth on what they're going through, uh, how they're experiencing it. it it's uh, it's quite a turn, and I. It it, it, all, it you hate to compare the two films, but inevitably they're going to. And I think there's an earlier film too as well. Um, but this one stands heads and toe uh, above the rest. It's it's almost uh it's almost documentary documentarian is the way it's the delivered here, Chuck. With you know, and I can't and and a great score by Michael Giacchino does it again. Guy's wow. really good. It's coming to modern day John Williams, and he's uh it, it's really good stuff and. Uh, I see some great, I know I'm not a big fan of the second Jurassic World installment. It does have its merits and it's not maybe the fault of the director, more of the fault of the way they wanted to go. But this yeah, guy, I, I mean, I love the impossible, you know, the first time we got to see Tom Holland on screen and all yeah, that, too. that's a great family adventure film around of chaos and, and death. That's uh, really, really quite stirring. So I, I like this guy and I, I like what he's doing here on film. I got one last question before we move on. Cause I got a chance to see numerous, uh things i want to talk about um is netflix do they have a live on the streaming service for people to watch that also i didn't see it no i didn't see it on there on i would assume service. i would assume this film that you just uh re reviewed in uh like very much will gain um some interest i think in the 93 movie alive would you say I believe so. Yeah, I think people will go back and it, it's weird. It's like 30 years almost to the day as the, the release. But I, I just I can't stress even more how much, you know, and I think the criticism of that film back in 93 was the fact that eh, it's a little glossed over. Uh, it's more Spielbergian because Frank Marshall directed it. Um, and and I, I can't argue that now because you see this film and, it, and it's just it, the comparison of the two is just uh, quite stark. You see anything else you want to talk about? Um, the holdovers I loved and I, 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 I got a chance to see that list last week. That's one of the best films as well. Paul Giamatti easily will get a best actor turn. Uh, Alexander Payne does it again with him. Of course they did sideways together. This movie's funny, touching. It's a Christmas movie as well. It's a great film, Chuck. And, uh, a newcomer too plays opposite of, uh, of the Paul Giamatti in this film. I think, did you see it as well? I, I, I thought you said you might I, I, I did not as of yet. I'm going to watch it this weekend. It's currently uh, on Peacock. It's also in some theaters. It was mostly in theaters, and then it just went on Peacock as of uh, last Friday, which I believe is where you got a chance to see it, correct? Yeah, I did, and uh, Dominic Sessa is his name, and Divine Joy Randolph is going to get an Oscar turn as well, Chuck. She plays the maid of the uh, prep school that's you know, in case you don't know the premise, that's Christmas break. Uh, only a handful of students stay at the uh, at the school. And Paul Giamatti, who is a schlep, a schlep in this film, Chuck, and he's so good. It's like the perfect role. Only he could play this role and uh, pull it off. Um, he gets stuck having to watch his kids, and then it gets narrowed down to just one kid who's the holdover. And you learn about his backstory. And Devon Joy Randolph as uh, as the maid too, who's there on campus. She's fantastic as well, Chuck. This is one of the best. I saw probably two of the best movies this past week of the year. I know I didn't see them in theaters. I do apologize, but they still count as movies. They're real good. No, films. they do. And I just want to bounce into, into that theme real quick. You know, this movie, The Holdovers, is one of those films, Mike, and I, I'm sure you would agree. Let's just say, arguably, uh, this we go back in the time machine, and this movie was released, say, eight years ago. This yeah. is one of those movies that would be right in the wheelhouse of the more sophisticated art house crowd. It would go on a good word of mouth off the really good reviews, and it would probably make between thirty and fifty million dollars minimum in theaters with that crowd. Now yeah. that crowd is somewhat uh, dissipated, 
They've been conditioned to wait to streaming. And then you get uh, what it is, a $7 million, basically a $7 million box office take in its theatrical run and now on Peacock streaming. That's just the avenue that these movies uh, have gone down. And it is and what it is. the fun part about it, and this movie actually could play in every decade. The seven, It actually takes place in 1972. And the clever thing okay. Alexander Payne does with this film, he starts the opening credits with, with the R-rated bar across the screen. And it, it you hear some popping in the speakers. So it sounds like it's an old movie. And then it, it blends into a modern day movie. But this guy's done Sideways, The Descendants, which I love, Election, which I love, The Holdovers. This guy's... He's got he's got like one of those Mike Nichols career Chuck that every time he just finds a project he touches it and people go to see it and love it. Very good. I got a chance to see four, four different uh, movies I want to talk about. First movie you reviewed a few weeks ago on the program, Leave the World Behind. I watched it over the holidays on Netflix. I agree uh, on all your points. It very much felt like M Night Shyamalan signs. Although I think arguably this even could be a better film i would argue this is one of the best things if not the best movie of i've ever watched on netflix i thought it was very thought-provoking it hooked me uh i was very intrigued what would happen next i liked the characterizations uh i thought the acting was really good by julia roberts uh makaya ali uh i thought it was excellent ethan hawk three scenes in this film mike that uh, blew me away one was a tanker scene on the beach mm-hmm. the second was an airplane crash and the mm-hmm. third, which I won't give away, is a kid losing his teeth. I, I I was really spooked out by that scene. Some people have an issue with the end. I thought the end was perfect, to be honest. I thought it was with you. great. Yeah, I, I thought the I, I thought the end was perfect. It sort of ends on a melancholy. Almost you, you almost sort of like have a smile on your face, laugh, uh, yeah. because it's a it's a reference joke based well, but, on and, and, something a character was doing throughout the film. But I like this movie immensely. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's one of the best of the year. And I, I it, let's talk about that because there has been some polarizing views. Uh, yeah, it has. And, and and a lot of it is around. I mean, I don't know what some people, the, the biggest complaint is there's a lot of loose ends at the end and it just kind of Yeah, ends. I mean, people, people uh, a lot of people want to see complete resolution. I mean, the reality is what makes this movie effective is that you don't know exactly uh, what is happening. You have an right. idea and, that the, the world time, is somewhat. Uh, but you, at is, the same time, I would say that you know how it's all going to end up for these families, and I yes, think that of course. The, and the ending just shows you, all right, this is the road they're going to go. I, I I don't know what they wanted like after fade out. Did they think there'd be another scene that you know? I I don't get it. I think that that oh now I get this is what's going to end up happening to this family, and 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 then and that's it. I I it's uh the score's really good. It's tense. I, I think it's a, it's I definitely one of the better of the year. I, I completely agree. Another film that I got a chance to see theatrically over the holiday season was Iron Claw uh, with Zach Efron. This movie's about the Von Erich wrestling family of the 1980s uh, and how popular they were uh, in the Southwest. Uh, they were Texas-based. Uh, Zach Efron, Mike, uh, I think it gives a really good performance, almost a low-key performance because he was the most probably low key in terms of personality of the Von Erich wrestlers. Uh, I was captivated and hooked from the minute this movie started to it, to it ends. A lot of people, you know, will say that this movie is depressing because a lot of really uh, horrendous things happened to this family, right? Family. But I got to be honest, when I watched it, I, I, in a, in a strange way, I found it life affirming. And this is one, I think brilliant scene toward the end of the film with a, a visionary look, and what heaven might be like, and hmm. I, it sort of blew it sort of blew me away. The one stark reality that I had when I watched this, it was the first scene in the movie where the where Zach Efron's character, uh, Kerry Von Erich, is laying in bed, and the camera uh, has a close up of his body, and it pans out. And I got to tell you, Mike, it's, it was startling the transformation physically that Zach Zach Efron got. He looked like literally poor Mister Wonderful Landorf in the WWF of the 1980s. I never seen an actor other than Robert De Niro who put all that weight on to do Raging Bull, get right. into a physical transformation right. from Zac Efron, what he was. I know he likes to, I mean, he's, I know he's worked out and he's lifted weights and he's been cut up in, you know, movies like Baywatch, but the bulk that he put on in pure muscle, not lean muscle either, not lean muscle, 
no, was, me, was, was, mind, yeah. was yeah. mind-blowing. But I think this is one of the best films I've seen this year. I'd give it an eight and a half out of ten. Highly recommend this movie. I thought it's very, very good. All storytelling from beginning to end, and it was totally involving. Now, the third film that I watch, I want to talk about, I watch this on demand. Uh, about four, almost four months ago, I got a chance to interview actor Peter Fascinelli, and he did this movie, which he played in theaters at the time during COVID, uh, and it's now on streaming called On Fire, and the movie is about uh, a family. He plays a father, his wife, and kid, and they're uh, trapped in a uh, wildfire in Northern California, and I watched it. It's only 81 minutes long. I got to tell you, Mike, and I'm not saying this because I interviewed Peter and I thought he was a good guy. I was very impressed with this film. He co-directed it. I thought he did a fantastic job. He created tremendous amount of tension. The characters were really good. Uh, I liked them. I cared about them. I was into this movie uh, totally. It's a very nice watch. And I think Peter has a really good future as a film director because he did an outstanding job. Again, on fire. You can catch it on demand. I think I rented it for $2.99. Honestly, Mike, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it would be watchable. It was a lot better than that. It was a really compelling human drama that was tight. It was well scored. Uh, his character was good. His his uh, The actress who played his wife and, and son were really good. And I was completely in, on fire. I, I, I give this movie, honestly, I give this movie a, a, a solid seven and a half out of 10. Well worth watching. And the last thing I want to say is uh, I did... Uh, I had a Christmas party for uh, my employees and some people I invited. About 40 people come to the theater I'm involved in. And privately, we watched James Cameron's The Abyss on the on the big screen. And I got to tell you, Mike, uh, the, for a movie that's 35 years old, uh, I was blown away. The transfer on the big screen is outstanding. Uh, it looked like it was shot yesterday. It's an absolutely visually beautiful film remastered to look at. Uh, a lot of the people that I brought, some were college girls who I employ. Much to my surprise, they were completely into this film. None of them looked at their watch or, or cell phone. Some of them were visibly actually crying at the resurrection scene of Elizabeth Ma uh, Mary Mastantonio after, the, after she drowns in that movie. Uh, I was hooked and all in from beginning to end. It's been quite a while since I've seen it. Um, it's currently on uh, Amazon and Apple. Uh, you you could buy it. I think it's we showed that the act, not that the we showed the director's cut, which is almost three hours long, Mike. But what a joy to watch the abyss on the big screen for me, thirty five years after the fact, proving that James Cameron, without a doubt, one yep. of the very best filmmakers uh, of our generation. There's no doubt about it. And the love story, which is very unique between Ed Harris and Mary Elizabeth Mastantonio. Is still quite powerful, Mike. Uh, very good watch. Yeah, they probably get divorced four months after the event, but maybe. That, that's, but that's yeah. what movies are about, right? <laughs> that you is leave, true. You leave. You know, I always, I always tell people the difference between movies and real life. This is a difference. When you watch a movie, you leave at the height of the best moment in the film, yes. which is usually the end, right? Yeah. And in real life, you get to live that. But you also get to live another 30 or 40 years after the fact, and it's not always as good. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and they usually say, you know what? You got a point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Let's uh, we got we got a lot of people to get through in a little bit here. You got some movie news. I'm sure we want to talk about. Well, I just wanted to point out one birthday of interest. That was uh, yesterday. Robert Duvall turned 93 years uh, of age. Um, he hasn't worked in a few years. He's one of the best of all time. I think if there's one film other than, other than The Godfather uh, that I am a big fan of Robert Duvall, it would be, uh, and he's, it's just so many. He was nominated for six Oscars, won an Oscar for Tender Mercies back in 1984. Francis Ford Coppola directed him also in Apocalypse uh, Now. But Joel Schumacher's 1993 movie, Falling Down with Michael Douglas, is a really interesting film because it's basically two stories. One of the Michael Douglas defense character, a guy who snaps on a hot day uh, in the summer in Los Angeles and goes on uh, a, a very interesting uh, journey. And the other is a, a, is a cop, a detective in his last day 
uh, before retirement who is in search of what is going on with this character played by Michael Douglas. And it's two separate stories. They both come to a head at the end. But I think his, his characterization, his performance, his story arc in Falling Down is quite unique and really good. I'm certainly a big fan of uh, Robert Duvall. He's also in Deep Impact. He plays an astronaut in that film. We both like that movie a lot. Uh, great actor. Uh, I got one more story about him, but do you have any Robert du- Duvall movies that uh, you, you would recommend? Well, I, I also found it interesting because all the hype around falling down when it came out was Michael Douglas and the type of role he was playing. And so you, you walk into the theater, you're not expecting um, equal billing and equal storytelling. And, and in a lot of ways, I think Duvall steals the movie from Michael Douglas um, as as powerful as Douglas is in that film. I was more drawn to the character that Robert Duvall was playing. Um, and I, I want everybody to just look up a clip. I'm not a huge fan of Phenomenon, uh, the John Travolta film. Uh, the 1996 film came out and it, it looked like it was going to be great. It was just an okay movie, but there's a scene in Phenomenon that Robert Duvall has when he just explodes at the townspeople for making fun of uh, Travolta's character. It's in the bar that I just look it up, just look up Phenomenon and Robert Duvall and you're going to see why he's one of the great actors. He could just, ca- and you bring up Deep, Deep Impact. He's got a couple of really tender scenes in that movie. Yes, tender's uh, a good word, poignant, yeah, tender. Yeah, and, and he's know, really good he, at that. Yeah, he is. He is uh, just a, a wise guy. Even like schlock, like uh, Days of Thunder or Gone in 60 Seconds, when he's just in there basically as wallpaper, he adds yes. so much depth to the oh, film yeah. because he is who he is. And that's why he gets cast in those Bruckheimer movies, because they know, hey, he's at least going to bring it 100%. So, yeah, Duvall's one of the best. Uh, Open Range, another great film, too. With Very good. Costner. Very good movie. A Western with Kevin Costner. I yeah. got one question for you, because, you know, we were talking about last week, or the last program that we did, we brought up uh, Godfather 3, uh, because we were talking about movies that were released Christmas Day. And it, it, when you look back, one of the, one of the annals that's going to be written in the history of Hollywood yeah. that never happened is the reality and it's well known in the industry that when they did Godfather three, they wanted to bring back Robert Duvall as the family lawyer, Tom Hagen. But for whatever reason, in terms of budget, they were willing to pay a lot of the other actors, Al Pacino, obviously Diane Keaton, uh, to, to come back for that movie. And they, and, and, and Duvall had a, a, a negotiation that blew up and they weren't willing to meet his yep. demand and pay him for what he felt he was worth for that role. And they wound up bringing in George Hamilton as another character that played the family attorney. Now, Hamilton was good, and I respect him as an actor. I think he's a very good actor. But the reality that Tom Hagen and Robert Duvall, who played him, was not in Godfather 3, I think in reflection, uh, is pretty sad. And we missed out on that opportunity. You want to expand on that? Yeah, no, I, I, there's definitely a gap in the film because he's not in it. There's no doubt, doubt about that. I still enjoyed the film, but uh, uh, I think him in it, a lot of people would have been, uh, wouldn't have been as distracted by Sofia Coppola. Let's just say that. Uh, George Hamilton, although a fine screen presence and, and a good actor, just not, I mean, he's not capable of what Duvall can no. bring. It's just not in his toolbox. You know what I'm saying? I, I so, agree. Uh, but uh, yeah, D- Duvall. One of the best, if not the best ever. And also, you know, Secondhand Lions, the movie he did with Michael Caine yep, good flick. and Haley Joel Osment. He's really super good in that uh, in that film. But, you know, well, we, we realize on and on and on. Even even the uh, judge, yeah. you know, not a great film with Downey. He's great in it. Uh, the civil action movie with Travolta, too. He's, I mean, it's just so many. It's it, tender mercies. It's ridiculous. We could spend all all day on him. I would agree. One other one other birthday of interest this week. You'll probably laugh at this one, but I figured what the heck. Victoria Principal turned 74 years old, uh, known as uh, Pam Ewing in the long running TV show Dallas, which was a, oh, I was a big fan of. But also uh, a big part of the ensemble cast in one of our favorite div- disaster films, which was Earthquake back in 1974. And I got to say, in reflection, there's a scene in the bar in that movie, Mike, where I don't think it would be shot. Now, you could argue that would be a little bit exploitive. Uh, am yeah. I right? Yeah. I would also say another thing that wouldn't be uh, shot now. It uh, She, among with a couple of other actresses, maybe Heather Thomas and Catherine Bach, she epitomized what Battle of the Network stars, why it was watched. Let's just say that. Can we just can we leave it at that? 
I I would agree. And like when you when you even bring up that show, it brings back uh, a a very fond memory of um, of a place in time that I thoroughly enjoyed. But I do agree with your analysis yes. on uh, that one. Well, as we get into our topic uh, uh, in memoriam here of 2023, in, back in January, it, it melds right into a memory on TV other than in the movies. And Adam Rich died at only the age of 54 back early in the year last year. And obviously, eight is enough pops to mind. But I guess, you know, if you to your point, if you pop that show on and watch it from season one, episode one till the end, every single episode would seem new to you. Um, and 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 one of the youngest child stars ever to be on TV was Adam Rich, who unfortunately went through a, you know, pretty tough life and not much things. I, I, the only thing I remember him on the big screen, I did see the devil and Max Devlin, Chuck, when I was growing up with Elliot Gould and, uh, and Bill Cosby. And he was in that right. film. That was a Disney film, which you can't see anymore because Bill Cosby's in it. So you can forget right. about that. Um, but I also remember he was, uh, he got a second gig on code red, the Lauren green fire drama, which I believe was that, Produced by Irwin Allen, I think it was. Not sure off my uh, mind's eye, but y- y- your memories of eight is enough. Yeah, the fond ones. I mean, I again, I can't pinpoint specific a specific episode or a specific. Yeah, me feeling, neither. But I grew up watching it. I watched it uh, every week, and uh, and, I and listen, you 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 could argue. I'll throw this out there: Dick Van Patten, uh, yeah. America's dad. He would be in that conversation. No, sure, sure. Again, one hour drama, but played for laughs and a lot of heavy subject matter that in the time and they didn't cover it too much. Did Jack, they use a laugh track? I don't remember. Uh, I can't. I think they did. I think they did. Okay. Uh, Melinda Dillon passed, passed away back in January as well. Chuck at the age of 83, two big movies come. Well, three, really. Obviously, she plays opposite of Richard Dreyfuss and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Also loved her in Slapshot and a couple scenes there. And a Christmas story. Of course, she's the mother Parker in a Christmas story, Chuck, who who uh, not a big career, but uh, one that that definitely left its mark in cinema. Yeah, I mean, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, she's really good. And, you know, I just watched that movie not too long ago. And I got to tell you what I got out of that film. And it's interesting because his character, you know, leaves his wife and family to go on this insane journey because he's compelled she does the same um it almost feels like two characters that are going through a complete midlife crisis and they're not thinking straight it's a very really interesting script close encounters of the third kind that probably would be not would probably not be made the same way (laughs) not even close if it was made in 2023 but it's I liked her a lot. It's interesting. Uh, David Soul passed away this week. Lance Kerwin passed away back on January 24th, also in yeah. Salem's Lot, but uh, really made his mark on TV with the series James at 15. Listen, I think I was in junior high school and I used to watch that show and I, I used to talk about it with some of the, my classmates after I watched it the night before. Um, good show for teens at the time. Yeah, real good show. And Chuck, also back in January. And can you, it, it's hard to fathom. Laverne and Shirley are both dead. Um, Cindy Williams yeah. passes away uh, back on January 25th. How is it even possible, Chuck, that both of them are not on this earth anymore? And Cindy, of course, obviously never really parlayed that into much more than a TV career. Uh, but uh, I did love her in American Graffiti, both American Graffiti movies. Yeah. Very appealing on the small screen and great com. I mean, the, the, the comic chemistry between her and Penny Marshall. She's actually the- also in the conversation. Right with uh, right. Gene yes. Hackman, very good. Uh, classic yeah. Yeah. film. Yeah, when you when you think about uh, Cindy Williams, who really embodied a youthful appearance, um, you know, happy-go-lucky, her pairing, her chemistry with uh, um, Penny Marshall. Yeah, yeah, Penny Marshall was really super good. I mean, that that show was super popular, even surpassing the popularity of Happy Do- Happy Days, which it was uh, spun off. Uh, as Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? You know, on top of that, Squiggy's passed away. Uh, the Big Ragu has passed away as well. I, wow. I mean, Michael Madsen's really the only one that's left uh, from the show uh, outside of uh, Amanda Donahue, I think her name was. It was on The Odd Couple. I think she's still alive as well. She was on that show as well. Uh, Chuck, the original Wednesday passed away back in January as well. Adam's family, Lisa Loring, not much more than. Wednesday, but boy, she was 
perfect on that show. I agree. I think it only ran for a couple seasons, if I'm wrong, but a uh, very memorable, funny, sort of ahead of its time uh, television program that was extremely uh, well cast. Uh, Annie Wershing back at the end of January as well. Not many people might recognize the I name. I know the name. Yeah, she's on 24, a couple of seasons. Oh, I loved her on 24. I loved yeah, her on 24. Yeah, she was really she great good work on, on that. that show. Yep. Uh, she was also in Bosch, uh, the, the Showtime series. She passed away of breast cancer way, way too, too young. young. But, boy, was she good opposite uh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland on 24. Yes, very much so. Yep. Very appealing, had a good screen presence, was a good actress, and uh, really brought a lot to the table when she was on that program, which he we did both some- love. A legendary scores and songs. I did want to bring up Burt Bacharach back in February 9th because he has a funny, really funny uh, cameo in the Austin Powers movie too, Chuck, which a lot of the score around that film is based on Burt Bacharach's songs, but uh, definitely a musician uh, with a ton of talent. Also, yeah, uh, a very talented performer. Also Raquel Welch back in February, Chuck, um, from One Million Years B.C. and uh, Mother Jugs and Speed. Uh, and one of the more beautiful women ever to grace uh, the big screen, uh, Raquel Welch, kind of got known for being a little bizarre later on in life, especially Seinfeld. Her her uh, appearance on that is quite funny, but definitely uh, one of the more striking women ever to be in the movies. I mean, evidently, she was a tough person to work with. That was a rep that she had. But I got to tell you, back in the day, in her period of time, in her heart of her popularity, I'd argue the most beautiful woman on earth. And I think a lot of people would agree to that. Uh, back on February the 17th, we lost one of our, uh, our disaster movie vixens, Chuck and Stella Stevens passed away. Of course, immortal in the Poseidon adventure. Her role in that is just totally out of left field, but works perfectly opposite Ernest Borgnine. And, uh, She's using a nutty professor too. Let's not forget and, and start in a, a couple of else. Uh, I think in an Elvis movie, but Stella Stevens, another one of those women that boy, when she pops up on screen, you can't keep your eyes off of her. Here's what's interesting about her performance in the Poseidon adventure. She's obviously around a lot of big talent, Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Shelley Winters. And she had to make a conscious decision when she played that role of Linda Rogo to basically just go balls to the wall and go all out. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and she was awesome. You know, when I watch that film with, a, with an audience, when I've done revivals, she always gets the biggest laughs. I mean, she does. She, sure. you know, that movie sure. has a lot of comic relief and most of it comes from her dialogue. And, uh, she's super, super good in that film. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame, uh, when she dies in that film, how close she came to getting off that boat. Uh, Richard Belzer, Chuck, 78 years old. A great comedian from uh, uh, February 19th. He died. Um, obviously, the I mean, great, funny comedian of the 70s. But Homicide Life in the Street kind of resuscitated his careers. Pretty good sure actor, too. He was. And, you know, um, I, I believe off the top of my mind in the scene in Scarface, which is one of the, uh, the attempted uh, assassination sequences in a nightclub. I think he's a stand up comic. Before, oh, really? dur- during during <laughs> during that uh, during that. Uh, a sequence but he was a, an opinionated guy he, he was a good interview uh and he did really good really good work on uh on that television show back in february 18th interesting career um that kind of went off the rails because of his lifestyle and that's tom sizemore who died at the age of 61 who probably peaked at saving private ryan right chuck that was that was when good, he, you couldn't good get movie a to better peak, good movie to peak in because it's an iconic film it is and, and obviously tom hanks is you know, bigger than life in that movie. But Tom Sizemore is up for the challenge, Mike. And if it wasn't for the performance of Tom Sizemore, that movie might not be as great as it is. He's, he's does tremendous, tremendous work in that. And he does great work. He he did a lot of great work too. Let's not forget uh, true romance. He's very, very good in it too. It just later in life, you know, he got into some bad things. He wasn't getting great roles anymore. And he Mm -hmm. eventually dies of a brain aneurysm. Uh, back in February, Lance Reddick, another great uh, character actor from Bosch and the John Wick franchise. He was only 60 years old. Uh, I remember him on Fringe first and foremost, Chuck, but uh, Lance Reddick was uh, a staple in the Wick films. And it's a lot of, you know, a lot of times you, you hear these people and they pass away and it's like, man, he's only 60 years old. Yeah. 
yeah. but Lance was a, a great guy. And a lot of, again, one of those guys, Lance, oh, what? And then when you see him, like, oh my God, he passed away. And, and he had a, he had a beautiful, majestic voice. Um, yeah, way too young. Jerry Springer did make one movie, Chuck, and it was basically based on his uh, TV show. He was 79 years old, but a TV icon in a lot of weird ways. He was. I mean, listen, I mean, like him, dislike him, uh, whatever you thought about Jerry Springer. He was uh, a a, a force of nature in terms of uh, what he did to the landscape of America's pop culture with the Jerry Springer show. I mean, obviously... He made the uh, other shows. Obviously, it wasn't in great the greatest of taste, but he was a super intelligent guy. He was a heck of an interview when he when he spoke. Yep. He, you know, he, he was very he said very thought provoking things. I think was was he the mayor of since was the mayor, he the mayor of Cincinnati? Cincinnati? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, when when I when I was a, when I was a kid, we both talk about you know Morton Downey Jr. who came to prominence in the New York market and WOR with the Morton Downey Jr. show. And then, and then, sort of, uh, Jerry Springer f- followed that beat and changed the changed the t- t- trajectory of yeah. t- daytime talk shows. Yeah, he made all the other hosts have to catch up, whether it be Sally Jesse or Phil Donahue, Maury Povich. They had to they had to do what he was doing, or they weren't going to get ratings. Now, you might say Morton Downey started it, but Jerry Springer per- perfected it. And, I agree. Uh, and and, I agree. and and really did change the landscape back in May. And I, w- I and I would argue bringing up the name, um, uh, Maury Povich, maybe the biggest sellout of of personal character of all yeah. time, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, from a credible journalist to to what it's become, whether or oh, not yeah. a, oh my God. A, a guy's the dad or not. I mean, gets a little ridiculous. Especially when you do it five times a week for years on end. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tina Turner died at 83. Chuck, obviously most known for her Ike and Tina and all her musical career. But let's not forget um, her great turn in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome as the villain in that film. Who What an inspired casting by George Miller. Best part of that film, the Thunderdome sequence in her. And, yeah. that, and that song... Beyond, you know, uh, we don't need another hero. Yeah, Yeah, we don't need another hero. I I can't imagine how many movie tickets that song sold. And uh, let's not forget, too, the movie based on her life is really good. What's Love Got to Do With It with Angela Bassett and and uh, Lawrence Fishburne. That uh, that turned a lot of heads, made Angela Bassett a star and a real gritty portrayal. Yeah, real gritty portrayal of all the deaths in uh, 2023. And we'll get to Matthew Perry later on. The one that hurt me the most, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Was when Treat Williams passed away in a motorcycle accident at 71. Um, here's a guy I grew up just loving everything he was in. 1941, Prince of the City in his early work. And then later on, obviously, uh, I love Deep Rising. He's funny yeah, me as too. hell in it. His, I, think a lot uh, of people, I think a lot of people discovered Treat Williams. I mean, I know it's a B movie. Uh, it's directed by Steve Summers, who went on to greater fame with the Mummy franchise. But that movie's a ton of fun. He co-starred. Uh, Frankie Jansen was his co-star. Let's just talk about real quick, Prince of Prince of the City. Sidney Lumet yeah. got really good reviews. I think a lot of people expected Treat Williams to materialize into a major leading man in Hollywood. It never really happened. Did a lot of supporting stuff, no doubt, and he worked, you know, for decades. But in terms of the A-list movie star, Prince of the City didn't work out to be that for him. Why do you think so? Um, I don't know. He's good looking. He's commanding on screen. Uh, maybe just too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, you got Pacino, you got De Niro, mm-hmm. you got all these stars that you're just going to go, go to when you get a great script. It probably wasn't landing on his desk. Um, I don't know what his representation was like back then either. You know, and I, you know, with, with that fact that I know I'm bouncing into something different, but you could almost argue the trajectory in the career of Ray Liotta after Goodfellas was somewhat sure. similar, right? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, he would find his mark on TV, too. Let's not forget Everwood uh, went on a, a few seasons. Um, mm-hmm. he's did a, He did a lot of, uh, you know, Chicago Hallmark Fire. Type he did movies. a guest stint yeah. on that. It, he was never character. out of work. He was never no, out no, of no, work. No, 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 not at all. And I agree with you. I mean, it's always a, a bummer, you know, when, when, when somebody winds up uh, passing on uh in a freak accident and that's especially when he yeah and he's still working and he's still popular he Mm -hmm. i followed him on twitter he's very active on twitter um he actually liked one of my uh tweets 
because uh, I said I quoted I hate eggs. Um, if he had made a quote and I said I hate eggs, and he he liked it because that's a very famous line, well, famous for me in 1941, and him, he got oh, a kick cool. out of it. That was very a cool. that was a tough one for me. I love I love me some Treat Williams, and if anything, I wish he was in more. Uh, Glenda Jackson passed away uh, uh, just a a couple days after Chuck, and obviously touch a class and women in love with were the big ones for her. Uh, again, she the British actress won an Oscar, and then it didn't explode for her on the big screen. No, uh, she had a nice run, was extremely well respected, but it wasn't an arc uh, trajectory in terms of career that went on for decades. One of the more bizarre deaths of 2023 is the Julian Sands story, Chuck, who died yeah, after being reported missing at the age of 65. Um, we don't want to get too much into the details of his death, but let's not, you know, he's great in arachnophobia. I know it's it's just the fun, cheesy type of role he's doing, but uh, he's the bad guy in Warlock, uh, and he really made his, you know, the room with a view is where he made his mark, but here's a guy who worked steadily through most of his career until the later years when well, he he just, I don't know, I, I mean, literally fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, bummer. Uh, arachnophobia. By the way, they're going to be, they're remaking arachnophobia. Into Please don't bring up hardcore. stuff like that. A, a more extreme hardcore. I think Bloomhouse uh, has got a hold of the uh, right. So is this going to uh, be a scarier it. version? Much more. Of, much oh, yeah. more. Of course it is. Uh, Alan Arkin died at the age of 89. Chuck, he won an Oscar for uh, Little Miss Sunshine. But boy, oh boy, talk about uh, multi-decade stardom and just uh, everlasting films from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and even later in life. Alan Arkin delivered each and every time, whether it's Argo or uh, or The In-Laws. You know, or Edward it, Scissorhands. Or Edward, Edward Scissorhands, that's right. Or and even the one Little thing Miss about Sunshine, too. I mean... This guy delivered. The one thing about Alan Arkin, uh, he was in high demand up until uh, he left this earth. I mean, yeah. uh, extremely well-revered, well-respected by his peers. Actors love working for him. He always delivered, elevated his material to a higher level. Uh, that is a massive loss. Yeah, Freebie and the Bean back in the day, too. I remember seeing him for the first time with James Caan, a buddy cop movie. And then even the Comiskey Theory later on with him and Michael Douglas. He was the best part mm -hmm. of that show. And he left yep. after the first season. Uh, he was fantastic. Uh, he will definitely uh, be missed. Uh, Paul Rubens, Chuck. I mean, this was a tough one, too. He died at the age of 70. Obviously, uh, Pee Wee Herman. Uh, that's claim to stardom. Uh, and a very puzzling career as well, who maybe one of the first people that got um, canceled per se, Chuck. Uh, and he probably shouldn't have uh, the backlash of what happened to him and what he was doing really never warranted what happened to his career after that. I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. Uh, a unique, interesting talent, obviously took on the persona of, uh, of, of, of Pee Wee Herman. That was his claim to fame. Did a great job uh, in that role. Burton brought him back in an extended cameo as a Penguin's father in Batman. Returns after, you know, his career sort of crashed and burned uh, at that theater incident, um, which is really a shame. But uh, he was a funny interview on talk shows. Obviously, he always came on as the Paul uh, Pee Wee Herman character. <laughs> he did Letterman. I mean, funny stuff. Um, he also, he did Pee Wee Herman on SNL as Pee Wee Herman right. as the host, you know, right. it, and, and I did see him pop up one final time as well, Chuck. And, and I didn't expect him to be uh, on, on, in the movie. I, I saw Quiz Lady, which came out this past year with Aquafina, and he's got a funny cameo at the very end of that film. And I did not. The uh, Aquafina's mom, <laughs> Margaret Cho, thinks that he's uh, Alan Cummings, and, yeah. and and so it's funny see because Aquafina says, "Hey, just pretend you're Alan Cummings, just for my mom," and he does it. And I, he, it was like right after he passed away. I didn't even know he was in that film. A good film, by the way. If you haven't seen Quiz Lady, it's funny. It's on Hulu. William Freakin Chuck uh, really peaked with the French Connection and The Exorcist. Two of the more iconic 70s movies of all time. Not just the 70s, of all time, he directed. He'd go on to keep mo making movies. Uh, nothing to the effect of those two big ones. Listen, you know, it's interesting because 
when I interviewed Andrew Davis, the director of The Fugitive and Under Siege, which could be heard on our archive podcast on uh, Apple and Spotify, I brought up William Freakin because I, I talked about 70s filmmaking. And I said to Andrew, you know, and as a kid, even though I didn't go see The Exorcist in a movie theater, you can go on YouTube and watch people standing online around city blocks in New York City waiting to get into that film. And he interrupted me, Andrew, and he said, time out, time out. He goes, you're talking about one of my favorite all-time filmmakers who had a massive influence on my life. And he mm. talked about how much he loved the French Connection and how that had a, a massive influence on his style. Um, but if you look at, you know, the French Connection and The Exorcist, I mean, those are two defining, altering uh, filmmaking experiences in that decade. Uh, he was no a tremendous filmmaker. No doubt about it. And, and just watch, uh, uh, was it Frankenheimer does the French Connection too, right? And just watch the difference yes. between the way that movie's directed and and the way Freakin does the first one, and you'll see the got talent a bit, that he, got, got, a, got a little bit of difference in pacing, Mike. Yes, I would say. Thoughts on Bob Barker, the uncancelable Bob Barker who died at the age of 99, part of my childhood, I'm sure, part of yours as well. Grew oh, up I, watching I, Price is Right every single day and in college too, all the time. I, Okay, I would put Bob Barker in the categories in the category, Mike, of rare of a rare breed, almost like a Johnny Carson. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking. Uh, yeah, Johnny Carson in a for different sure. way, but he had the listen. People tuned in because they simply and the most important aspect of Bob Barker on the prices, right, is they thoroughly enjoyed the company of Bob Barker. Yes. right. Like people tuned into the Night Show because yes. Johnny Carson was like a warm blanket. Uh, that they felt very comfortable wearing, and Bob Barker fit that mold very and Mr. well. Mr. Rogers too, like just that TV. Yes. You turn these guy, they just made you feel better. And listen, not without controversy though. Here's a guy that he had Barker's beauties on his show. That would not fly in 2024, Chuck. Not at all. Uh, and Jimmy Buffett passed away at the age of 76. Too great musician. Not yep. you know. Uh, great lifestyle, let's say that. The man from Uncle also died, David McCallum. Um, uh, Who was in The Great Escape, one of the our all-time favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, Michael Gambon died in September, Chuck. We talked about that. Dumbledore yep. in the Harry Potter yep. films. Uh, yep. Another and great toys, Mike, toys. Don't forget toys. Of toys. Course. How about uh, Piper Laurie <laughs> passed away back in October? I forgot about that one. Of course, the psychotic mom in Carrie. People yep. forget how good a performance she puts oh, in yeah. that film. Yeah, they don't make horror movies like that anymore. Uh, real sad, too. Uh, you know, we bring up Shirley and you bring up these TV stars you grew up watching. Mm -hmm. uh, Chrissy passes away in October. Suzanne Summers, who, you know, I, borderline iconic career on TV. Um, never really made it on the big screen, right? But a couple of big TV series, uh, a yeah. couple of workout videos later on. Uh, and, and, you know, she probably shouldn't have left Three's Company. She left too soon. That went sour. But... A lot of people don't rebound from doing that. She kind of did. She did. I mean, listen, she's going to be infamous for one for one major reason. She was one of the first female uh, performers, actresses that took a stand uh, because she felt she was worth more money than she was getting on Three's Company. Obviously, John Ritter was paid, you know, the big bucks or whatever right. the big bucks were relevant to 1970s. She wanted more money. She felt she was an integral part of the success in the ratings of Three's Company, which I had to argue that she was. I mean, she's yeah, very good definitely. on the show. She holds she's her own ensemble. for sure. Yeah. And uh, the, the studio was hell fast or bent. They were hell bent on not giving her what she wanted. She, she walked. Uh, we always said, you know, nothing against her, but the, 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 the cast changes they made with Three's Company to me always worked. Yeah, they did. They did. They, they Whether it be the Ropers they, and Burley or yeah. any of the roommates. They, yeah. they, they always worked. But, you know, she, she bounced, she bounced into, uh into other sitcoms which were successful she was a uh she, she was a a massive voice in, in selling infomer infomercial products yeah, yeah right she was a good interview on talk shows um yeah that was a bummer when she passed there's no doubt uh and and of course she's the the girl the t-bird let that richard dreyfus falls in love with yes, in, in american graffiti and speaking yep. of uh let's not yep. forget uh magnum force a very legendary death scene in Magnum Force. Yes, She's the correct. actress in the pool. Uh, yes. That uh, and remember she left. <laughs> I remember she left Three's Company and she did that movie with Donald Sutherland. Uh, 
nothing personal and was like a, a goofy caper comedy romance. I mean, talk about an odd couple, Donald Sutherland and Suzanne Summers. Is there a reason that chemistry didn't work on the big screen, Chuck? <laughs> and let's face it know. too you know why the casting always worked on three's company there's one reason only john ritter yeah well, john yeah. ritter he's yeah. not on that show that show ain't on uh paulie that, died was some in edgy, october. that was some edgy show but yeah yeah paulie died in october chuck obviously burt young legendary you could say it. it's a legendary character it is a very recognizable face on the big screen but you watch these rocky movies and some of his portrayals. Now it gets a little wacko there around Rocky four and five, but the bookends that we are fans of Rocky and Rocky Balboa, he's really solid, especially in the I latter agree. one too, Chuck. Listen, I, I, uh, I, I would argue that Rocky Balboa should have been nominated for best picture uh, in 2006. I think it's not as listen, not, not, you know, the first one's iconic. But Balbo is is the bookend I'd, I'd end that series on. And as much as I like the Creed movies, especially the first Creed, it's, it's very, very good. And but, uh, uh, Burt Young got nominated for an Oscar. In the, uh, I, the I also remember Burt Young in uh, the, the Amityville 2 sequel. Oh, my God. Like he, could, he could play nasty with the best of them, no? Yeah, didn't, didn't make much and sense. And also, obviously, back, back, to, back school to school yeah. with Rodney Dye. I'm glad we brought that up. I mean, I, that movie's great. We I put that. one of my kids through college. I put another one through a wall. That's so <laughs> uh, Richard Roundtree, another iconic actor back in October, Chuck. I got another, a question for you. Another earthquake I reference. I, I got a question for you. Miles Quaid, is he, yeah. did he live or die in earthquake at the end? I think he lives. I say I'll tell you why he lived. I'll tell you why he lived. Ask me. Well, I think you got your hands on a script, don't you? Yeah, because it was a script written for earthquake too. And Miles Quaid uh, is, a, is a focal point. In that script, George Kennedy, uh, I believe, marries uh, Victoria Principal's character. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think they go. They, they live in another part of California. Of course they and there's do. Another earthquake. Of that movie there was is. never never produced. Of course uh, it that's, a, that's almost as that's almost as insane as the original script to Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, which took place in an underground tunnel where they bring Gene Hackman's Reverend Scott right, right. character's brother back for that movie. Boy, oh boy. Or Only the in the seventies, Mike. Or, or how about the one they actually made? That was a little absurd as well. But no, okay. Let's not go there because you'll get offended. Um, how many millions of people you think went beyond this holiday season? Millions, no, Mike. zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd be remiss. We bring up Richard Roundtree. Obviously, we bring up Earthquake. But of course, he Shaft. And here's a guy who never aged on screen. Too. No, never aged. And, Always uh, looked he, good. He was good in seven too. Let's not forget he's he's in that film and uh he came back for the Samuel L. Jackson shaft as well um to kick some ass. Richard Roundtree yep. was solid on the big screen. No oh, doubt about absolutely. Hundred percent. Well, you know, maybe the one that put shockwaves through social media and and through multi-generations was the death of Matthew Perry at 54, Chuck. Um, you know, some details came out later on about you know, what he was going through when he actually did pass away in that hot tub. But Chandler Bing, some might argue, uh, maybe one of the top 25 most uh, iconic roles on sitcom television. Um, you know, he stood out among the six. All due respect to all those other actors. Nobody got more laughs and nobody uh, got more love than Matthew Perry on that show. I'll, I'll make a comparison because, you know, John Cryer, before he got Two and a Half Men, Right. He bounced around in a ton of auditions, a ton of failed sitcoms, and so did Matthew Perry. Yes, Matthew Perry yes. did a lot of work, yes. and he was always solid in everything he did. I mean, I remember watching Matthew Perry. He had a small role at times on Beverly Hills 90210, right? I remember him on and, Growing Pains when he died I, in a car accident. Right, and I think the lesson, what's very interesting about life in general, I think there's a lot of talented people who have – niches uh and a, a prime to do great work in life but until you get the right opportunity and all the stars aligned in a certain instance in that star aligning obviously was it when he came in for the addition of friends and he got that role Nailed right it. i mean he it, his talent fit that role like a glove and the cast around him bounced off him beautifully uh and i think if there's a lesson and I, i'll ask you the question 
you know, Matthew Perry's life in general, is there a lesson to be learned by his life? Um, I think, um, first of all, one of them is live it, right? Live every day yes. as much as you can. Um, and just be wary of the, the dangers of the world as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think the message I would give off based on is that nobody's perfect. And nobody's always, life. yeah, right. And, right. And, and I, and I think at the end of the day, not to, not to sound too serious, but I, I think at the end of the day, I, I think demons are dancing on everybody's shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I think some handle it better than others. You know, I referenced this when he passed on the show, I read an article that he gave uh, and, and he, and he said when he knew, when he, at the height of his fame and he had all that money and popularity and anything at his disposal, you know, he moved into his big house. I'm sure he had servants, you know, I know he had, he obviously had an assistant the day he died. And, yep. and for the first six months, Matthew said in this interview that, you know, he, 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 life was amazing. And then six months later, he sort of said, you know what, this is really not what life's about. Like, you know, it's just another high, it's just another high that he achieved and in, in, in the, 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 the real success, success of life, you know, I, I believe it's just, it's a good conversation. People you yep. get to meet the work you do, the mark you leave, the, the family that you have, the influence, the mentorship. Um, but yes, yeah, that would be the ma the massive loss of, uh, 2023. And, it, Mike. and it's, it's sad too, because you're, you're, what you're leaning on there is the legacy you leave. Right. And I just worry, yes. I worry about the legacy he left what it could have been and what ultimately it might be. And I hope people remember him more for his comic prowess and timing on, on the small screen, even the big screen fools rush in. I'm a fan of, you know, modest movie career, but um, it's a shame because he probably had an autumn of his career that we just never got to. And I would think that there would have been some stuff, you know, some very successful autobiography came out right before he died. But I think there mm -hmm. probably was some roles he would have got later in life people would have started forgetting about the troubles he went through. Probably. Two legendary TV producers passed away uh, towards the end of the year. Marty Croft, and uh, we talked about Norman Lear a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, I mean, we know what he did. But a real couple of minutes on on uh, Marty Croft, Chuck. I mean, Saturday mm -hmm. mornings wouldn't be the same without Land of the Lost and some of the other no, crazy Land crap. Of the lost was a, Land of the Lost was a staple in my young childhood. Yeah, absolutely. And I never do remember what the hell actually happens to that family at the end. I I, I don't even know how it ends. That, here's, what, here's what I remember. The first few seasons had the father, right? Yes. And then he wanted to leave the show. And I always <laughs> remember watching that premiere episode. I don't know what season that was. And then the uncle, the father, the father disappears uh, in another timeline. And then the uncle appears. I think yeah. that might be that might have been the first incarnation of the multi. Of the multiverse, multiverse you might be back, right. <laughs> back in the nineteen, back in the nineteen seventies, but I was like, I remember sitting there watching it with my brothers, and and I was fascinated by the appearance of the uncle, and like, where's this show gonna go? Oh my god, and, you know, where's the father? Are we ever gonna see him again? Uh, and yeah. maybe what lives what lives on mostly from that uh, show is a slee stack, right? <laughs> you say slee stack. stack, people know exactly what you're talking about. Um, uh, we did touch on Norman Lear and Ryan O'Neill and Andre Brower in, in yep. previous shows, yeah. Chuck. Uh, maybe the last two we'll touch on. Um, one is Tom Smothers, who passed away a couple weeks ago. Uh, the great comic duo, the Smothers Brothers. I always loved his appearances on Johnny Carson as Johnny Carson. He would He was a dead ringer for Johnny Carson. Um, obviously he was always getting the bigger laughs of the two, but Tom Smothers, uh, is part of my childhood. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I would agree. I think he's a very talented guy. And last, but certainly not least, he died right before the new year. Um, Tom Wilkinson, uh, the great British actor, two-time Oscar nominee, uh, Shakespeare in Love, the full Monty. Um, but of course people will forget that he is in the Batman universe, Chuck. Listen, I love his performance in Batman Begins. That scene in the restaurant when he tries to intimidate uh, a young Bruce Wayne played by, played by Christian Bale, the dialogue and the way he delivered that dialogue was so effective. And, you, you know, in, in, in the Batman universe, which, which, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, beside the, the classic characters and Batman villains of Joker and Penguin and Riddler, you know, he really brought to life uh, a human villain which is you know a mob boss and he did it so so well that was a great scene he's a great great actor and, you know the great actors like him you don't even realize that they're acting 
They just no, envelop right. a scene so well that you believe it's that person. You never say, yeah. hey, like, you know, when, a, when an actor like Nicholson or Pacino giving a performance, there's times you get out of the character and you say, uh, you know, Al, Al's giving a really good performance here. But, you know, when Tom, Tom Wilkinson acts, you never think about it, um, uh, uh, an actor acting. You just think about a character that he's playing. He backed it up. The exorcism of Emily Rose is actually, he's really good as the priest. Very, very good. In, in that film, too. And I know you're not a fan of the movie, but I loved his turn in Michael Clayton. He is the best thing in that movie uh, as kind of a, uh, a, a mentally imbalanced uh, a, a lawyer. And how about he, he was the bad guy in The Patriot, right? Way back when? Wasn't he one of the bad guys in that um, with the Mel Gibson movie? Uh, and of course, oh, yeah. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the full Monty, he he almost steals of that course. movie single handedly. Yep. A bad mm -hmm. guy in Rush Hour, right? The original Rush Hour. He's the bad guy, uh, with uh, opposite of uh, Chris Tucker and and Jackie Chan. So he, you think he's a good guy, but he turns. He could do it all. Um, he could do and it it's all. It's a shame that, that that he passed away at the age of uh, seventy five. Well, Chuck, that that's two twenty twenty three in memoriam. Let's hope the list is smaller for next year. That that, that would, would be agree. a good goal, right? Um, we'll do this all over again next year, uh, next week. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Chuck Curry. You too, uh, Mike. To the audience, thanks a lot. Uh, good things in 2024. Thanks for listening to Movie Moments with Chuck Curry and Mike Rags. Download and listen to an archived show or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear our new episodes.